You've heard of Grammarly, and you might think it's a fancy spell check, but people on your team have been using it and loving it for years because it does way more than you realize. Grammarly is a secure AI writing partner that works seamlessly across apps and websites and can write an instant first draft in a few clicks, not a few hours. When every word your team writes is clear, concise and on brand, companies can save 19 days per employee per year. Learn what better writing can do for your company at Grammarly.com. Grammarly. Easier said, done. Hi everyone, I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get Our Way, a brand new show from My Heart Podcast, where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun. This is our podcast, and we're going to do it our way. Listen to Our Way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Microsoft has been working on AI for decades, and chatbots actually aren't anything new. But all of a sudden, everyone is salivating. Why do you think the moment for AI is now? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's actually, you're absolutely right, which is AI has been here. In fact, it's mainstream, right? I mean, search is an AI product, even the current generation of search. Every news aggregation, recommendation, and, you know, YouTube or e-commerce or TikTok are all AI products, uh, except they're all, I would say, today's generation of AI is all autopilot, uh, in fact, it's a black box that we just sort of use uh, inf- uh, that is dictating, in fact, how our attention is focused. Whereas going forward, the thing that's most exciting about this generation of AI is perhaps we move from autopilot to copilot, where we actually prompt it. I mean, think about it, right? What we, we are learning to program AI as with just natural language. Right, and it gets smarter every it, time you use it. You, Yeah, yeah, and also you are lo- making it, it's, a, it's ultimately a stochastic machine that you're using as a tool to help reason about what you're learning, what you're creating, what you're doing. And so, yes, I think this, uh, this shift from autopilot to copilot is actually, yes, the next phase of AI, which in fact is perhaps going to put us as humans you know, more in the center of using AI to our benefit. With Copilot, you are deeply weaving LLMs across all of Microsoft's products, Word, Excel, PowerPoint, Outlook. You're also basically giving folks their own personal business chatbot. How transformative a change do you think this will be in how we work? Yeah, to me, that, that, that is it, right? Having built now, GitHub Copilot, having built the web Copilot with Bing, and even what we did with Dynamic, this is the big next step for us to put it in the tools everybody uses every day for their work. I think it does three things, Emily. For me, you know, one of the things that I've always said is God, there's so much functionality in Word or Excel and PowerPoint. How do we make it such that people use this? in powerful ways mm-hmm. to create great content, great documents, great PowerPoint art, learn how to do analysis that's pretty sophisticated. In an interesting way now, without having to say, let me learn all the commanding of Office, I just literally can use natural language. So the power of 30 plus years of Office creation 
uh, the, the sophistication of these tools is just available to every user. Same thing with even Teams mm-hmm. and Teams Copilot. Like, think about how meetings can be more effective with the Teams Copilot. But I think that probably the biggest difference maker will be business chat. Because mm-hmm. if you think about the most important database in any company is the database underneath all of your productivity software. Except that data is all siloed today. But now I can query it with Natural. I can say, oh, I'm going to meet this customer. Can you tell me the last time I met them? Can you bring up all the documents that are written up about this customer and summarize it so that I'm current on what I need to be prepped for? Mm-hmm. That ability to interrogate that database, query it, and do it without learning some new syntax of querying language, but just natural language, is super powerful. How do you make sure it's not Clippy 2.0? That <laughs> it is Helpful, delightful, doesn't want to make me click out ASAP. <laughs> there are two sets of things. One is, you know... You're laughing because... Because look, they're, 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 like, our industry is full of lots of you know examples from Clippy to even, let's say, current generation of these assistants and so on. They all are brittle. I think there are two things that this generation of AI uh, do. One is... When we say they understand natural language, they truly understand natural language. So it's not like, okay, we'll understand you only if you stay in sort of these very narrow rails that we have defined for you. Then the comprehension uh, and what they can do for you, right, is also not narrow. And so I think that's why. But but, uh, that said, I think we are also going to have to learn that ultimately these are tools. They're stochastic in nature. Just like any time somebody sends me a draft, I review the draft. I just don't accept the draft. <laughs> we will do that. Like, interestingly enough, we learned a lot in GitHub Copilot. In fact, the day, first time when GitHub Copilot came, you know, even software developers saying, oh, yeah, this does make mistakes. Yeah. Except in even few months, people said, oh, yeah, but I know how to correct those mistakes. Uh, and so that ability to work with this Copilot uh, give it feedback, know how to verify it. Even this chain of thought reasoning in Excel, like the one feature, I don't know if you saw this, but that was very cool, which is we said, okay, what's the design choice we can make so that users get in the habit of not just accepting whatever AI is saying, mm-hmm. but even ask it to show you its scratch pad work. Right. Uh, it's like literally like inspecting somebody's homework, right? Which is, hey, tell me exactly how you did this and so that I can verify. Those are the kinds of things that we learn. You're trying to reinvent search with this AI-powered Bing, and I believe it's been using GPT-4 for a while now. What's worked, what hasn't? I think what we're, there are two, one thing that we are learning is the search context, right? So conversational uh, search is a thing. So this grounding of your conversation with search data, I think is one mode. Mm And then there is a completely different mode that we're also learned, which is people just want to chat. And so we are now getting good at even the product design so that we make that an explicit choice. So for example, when we launched Bing, we didn't have these three modes we now have. Um, how precise do you want it to be or how creative you want to be or you want to be balanced. Uh, that, I think, is one of the biggest learnings. We learned that, oh, wow, people do, in fact, want to engage even in what is chat inside of search in different ways and we got to put the user control back. How much market share do you think you can really take from Google? Like, what's your <laughs> prediction? Prediction. Give me a give Look, me your we cut. are a real I'm, I'm thrilled to be in search. Uh, we're a very small player in search uh, and I look forward to every inch we gain is a big gain. 
you're coming for search, they're coming for office. They're now putting AI in there, you know, Google Docs and Sheets and Gmail. Are we just going to see you and Sundar trying to one-up each other every week in this race to AI <laughs> Look, greatness? You know, I just want Bard and Bing both to thrive. I just want Google Workspace and Microsoft 365 both to thrive. I mean, look, at the end of the day, the fun part of being in this industry and competing is, you know, is the innovation. Uh, and competition is, the last time I checked, a fantastic thing for users and the industry. And so, yeah, so let there be good sort of, you know, good innovation coming. And I think, you know, Google's going to do, uh, you know, he's a very innovative company and, uh, and we have a lot of respect for them. And uh, I expect us to compete in multiple categories. In my decade plus covering Microsoft, I can't remember you releasing this much in quick succession. Why is it all happening so fast? Yeah, it's, you know, it's sort of sometimes it feels it's all happening fast. It's, we, we started working on this, you know, a good four years ago, right? I mean, in some sense, if you think about when OpenAI and Microsoft came together and said, hey, this next generation of large language models uh, need new infrastructure. Let's build the infrastructure, tune the infrastructure. Uh, let's understand even what AI safety and alignment looks like for these. What are the use cases? And this has been four years plus in making. So once we started seeing the scaling effects, the promise of the emergent capabilities even uh, that started showing up in these large language models, that's why last year's, in fact, the, perhaps for me, uh, the application of these large language models inside of GitHub Copilot was the big, it's the biggest LLM product out there today. Yeah. Um, and so that gave us confidence that, hey, we now can apply it in more context. So yes, it feels that we launched a lot of things just in a hurry this year, but it's been four years in the making. And obviously it's a, it's a great partnership with OpenAI. What if everyone at work were an expert communicator? What if every doc, message, and email they wrote was perfectly clear and concise? Inbox numbers would drop, customer satisfaction scores would rise, and everyone would be more productive. That's where Grammarly comes in. Grammarly is a secure AI writing partner that understands your business and can transform it through better communication. Companies that use Grammarly save an average of 19 days per employee per year. That's because with Grammarly's AI, what used to take a few hours only takes a few clicks like generating an instant first draft in your company voice or tailoring a message to your specific audience and goals. And Grammarly's personalized on-brand writing help is built in everywhere your team works, across 500,000 apps and websites. Plus, it's safe, secure, and already IT-approved. Join 70,000 teams who trust Grammarly with their words and their data. Learn more at Grammarly.com. Grammarly. Easier said. Done. Osage County, Oklahoma is getting a lot of attention right now. It's the setting of Martin Scorsese's latest film, Killers of the Flower Moon. The movie is based on a book about the 1920s Osage murders, when white men poured into Osage County and killed Osage people for their oil wealth. I'm Rachel Adams Heard, the host of In Trust, a podcast from Bloomberg and iHeartMedia. For over a year, I was reporting a different story about other ways white people got Osage land and wealth, and how a prominent ranching family in Osage County became one of the biggest landowners here. Their ranching empire was built on land that at the turn of the century was all owned by the Osage Nation. So how'd they get it? Listen to the award-winning podcast, In Trust, 
on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Microsoft just reportedly laid off a team focused on ethical and responsible AI. Meantime, you've got the Center for Humane Technology calling the race to AI a race to recklessness. How do you respond to that? I mean, these, first of all, in terms of impact on anybody at Microsoft, this is just the, probably the thing that weighs on me heavily because after all, any restructuring is hard, hard on the people who are most impacted. Yeah. Uh, that said, two things. One is this is no longer a side thing for Microsoft, right? Because in some sense, whether it's design, whether it's alignment, safety, ethics, it's kind of like saying quality, performance, and design, core design. So I can't have now an AI team on the side. It's all being mainstreamed. It's sort of like there's no GitHub, co- there's no GitHub without Copilot. There is mm. no Microsoft 365 without Copilot. Mm. So in some sense, the hard process that companies like ours are going to constantly go through a lot of change. Mm. And what you was something that was done on the side today is now mainstream. So that's what's happening. And then I think, if anything, debate, dialogue, um, and scrutiny on what is the space of innovation? Uh, is it really creating benefits for society? I think are absolutely, in fact, I welcome it, right? I look yeah. at them and say, no one can run faster than the benefits uh, to the broader society and then the norms that we enforce as a democratic society. Uh, on any technology. And so I feel like we're at the very early stages of it, so I would ask us to be open to it, but at the same time, scrutinize it. Uh, and let's have a dialogue on what the benefits are. And in that context, let's also recognize, especially with this AI, well, why, would, why would we not asking ourselves, like the AI that's already in our lives, and how, what is it doing? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's right. We've gone straight to saying, oh, wow, these LLMs have some hallucination. Guess what? <laughs> right. There's a lot of AI that I don't even know what it's doing, mm-hmm. and except I'm happily clicking away <laughs> and accepting the recommendations. Mm-hmm. So why don't we, in fact, let educate ourselves to ask all of what AI is doing in our lives and say how to do it safely and in an aligned way? Elon Musk, who co-founded OpenAI and then left, has said it's not what he intended. It is closed-sourced and effectively controlled by Microsoft. How would you respond to that? Look, I mean, I think, first of all, OpenAI cares deeply about their mission uh, and doing it in the most safe way and in the most open way. And what, in some sense, this, this, there's an interesting trade between openness and safety. Uh, so that is sort of one of the reasons why they have what they have in terms of their governance uh, architecture. And, you know, and so therefore, at some level, they have been very, very clear on what principles drive them. Similarly, we have been very, very clear on the principles that drive us around AI safety and responsibility, and we'll stick to them. Um, I have to ask you a question about the economy and whether you're concerned about a prolonged tech bust. I mean, we've seen the collapse of three banks over the course of the last week, including Silicon Valley Bank. Tighter money, more uncertainty. How are you thinking about this? I mean, I, I, I think at the highest of levels, I think there was an aberration of maybe a 10-year period of um, low interest rates and everything that came with it, not just in tech, but in the broader economy. And I just think that we're just getting back to normal. Like, Mm -hmm. at least the thing that perhaps we have to remind ourselves, mostly the world looked like this, which is interest rates were higher than zero. 
uh, inflation was perhaps maybe structurally going to be higher, uh, just given everything that's happening with supply chains and the geopolitics. And we all as businesses have to be accountable to how to manage in that environment. And tech is one sector. Um, and so I kind of look at this and say, hey, it's a return to normal as opposed to anything sort of that to be, we need to be worried about as being prolonged. In fact, this is the long run. The economies have to sort of be, you know, more real. All right. So this is normal to you, basically. I, I, I think so. I mean, I think that sometimes we sort of say, you know, the last 10 years can never be sort of uh, the way way forward on. And it's good. I think it's better to have businesses that are run efficiently, that are actually measured on the way, both whether it's on the societal impact uh, or on real economic impact. In 1995, Bill Gates sent a memo calling the internet a tidal wave that would change all the rules and was going to be crucial to every part of the business. Is AI that big? Yeah, I mean, in fact, I, I sort of say the chat GPT, when it first came out, was like when Mosaic first came out, I think in 1993, um, uh, as the first browser. And so, yes, it does feel like, you know, to the Bill memo in 1995, it does feel like that to me. Um, so it's as big as the internet? I think it's as big. It's just like in all of these things, right, we in the tech industry are, you know, classic experts at overhyping everything. So the question is, can we really, like, I hope, but at least that what motivates me is I want to use this technology to truly do what I think at least all of us are in tech for, which is democratizing access to it. So when someone says to me, hey, here is how a farmer in rural India, you know, can use this technology to express a complex thought on how to get a subsidy from a government program and can do that successfully, that gives me a lot of sort of, you know, hope. How confident are you that Microsoft is going to catch the wave? Look, I, we are, you know, at the end of the day, my confidence is high only if I can do useful things every day for users. So in other words, what we did with Bing, what uh, with, uh, what we did with GitHub Copilot, and what we're about to now do with Microsoft 365 Copilot is what gives me confidence. Ultimately, it's not about my confidence, but it's about the products people use and find right. useful. I want to ask about jobs because obviously Microsoft makes software that helps people do their jobs, and I wonder if AI-laden software will put some people out of jobs. Sam Altman has this idea that AI is going to create this kind of utopia and generate wealth that's going to be enough to cut everyone a decent-sized check, but eliminate some jobs. Do you agree with that? You know, look, I mean, you know, from Keynes to, I guess, Altman, they've all talked about the two-day work week, and I'm looking forward to it. But the point is, look, the, the lump of labor fallacy um, has never proven out, right, which is, in some sense, there is displacement. And in fact, if anything, what we have to do is really do a fantastic job uh, as a society to deal with any displacement because if one job turns into another job, you have to then skill people on the other job. And in fact, in an interesting way, here's one thing, in, even in this Microsoft 365 tool, like there is this Power Automate tool. Up to now, we've called it the low-code, no-code tool for doing workflow automation. Interestingly enough, you now can automate workflows just using natural language. Guess what? That means anybody who's in the front lines in healthcare and retail can automate uh, or be part of the IT journey. That, to me, gives means there are new jobs and better wage support. So 
I feel, yes, there's going to be ch some changes in jobs. There's going to be some places where there will be wage pressure. There will be opportunities for increased wages because of increased productivity. We should look at it all. And at the same time, being very clear-eyed about any displacement risk, because the one thing that we have also learned in the last 20 years is that any society that doesn't really pay attention to who are the winners and the losers and to make sure that as a society, we are not really, you know, imbalanced in it in terms of economic opportunity, we'll be better off. I think a lot about my kids and how AI will have something that I don't, which is an infinite amount of time to spend with them and how these chatbots are so friendly and how quickly that could turn into an unhealthy relationship or, you know, maybe it's nudging them to make a bad decision. A As a parent, does any part of that scare you? So that's kind of one of the reasons why I think um, this moving from autopilot to this co-pilot hopefully gives us more control, whether it's as parents or more importantly, even as children. Like one of the things that was very cool yesterday um, to see in the launch of GPT-4 was the demo uh, or the launch of Khan Academy stuff. And uh, Sal sent me this last night and I was looking at his algebra class. It was so engaging, right? I mean, think about it. Like one of the dreams we've always had is can I have a personalized tutor? Uh, that is engaging, that is actually trying to teach me. So to your point, I think maybe uh, we should, of course, be very, very watchful of what happens. Uh, but at the same time, I think this generation of bots and this generation of AI probably just go from engagement to more, uh, giving us more agency to learn. That's fascinating. Sachin Adela, thank you so thank much you so for much. joining us. Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get our way, a brand new show from My Heart Podcast, where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun. This is our podcast, and we're going to do it our way. Listen to Our Way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.